Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Welcome back to the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Uh, this week on Buyerside Chat, we're lucky to have Ian Andrews, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Chainalysis. Such a fun conversation. You know, he spent his first half of his career in selling, so in the sales seat, and then the second half shifted over to product and now marketing. And along the way, he's been really technical in those roles at these different companies. So he's worked really closely with product. Um, but yeah, he started Opsware and then Teradata in the sales capacity, and then spent about eight years at Pivotal, where he was both a product and then marketing executive leader there. And then finally, now he's the chief marketing officer at Chainalysis, and he even has the SDR function reporting to him there. So really, really good insight. Um, and you'll kind of see how that bleeds into the topics we, we go over. Um, a few highlights for me, you know, one, what separates a good email that'll capture attention versus one that gets instantly deleted. Um, two, how to do effective research on your prospect before you reach out and also what to be researching before your first conversation. You know, we always say, hey, do research, do prep, but like, what do you actually need to prep? What do you actually research and how do you use it? Um, three, why coming into a meeting with a hypothesis and an idea of, of what they may be going through is better than just going in with a, a blank page and hoping to just discover it all in that first call. And then lastly, why what keeps you up at night is the worst question in sales right now and what you can ask instead to, to get a lot more out of the conversation. Uh, one caveat, this is recorded beginning of March, 2022. So we're getting towards the end of May. Obviously market conditions are very different in the last few months, things have changed. Um, on the macro scale, but let's, uh, let's jump into it. Ian, so excited to have you on the show this morning. Eugene, pumped to be here. Let's, let's do it. Let's dive right in. You're a man of many talents and I want to start somewhere a little specific and I want to talk about emails because I know you have probably crafted and created so many emails and you've also probably received infinite amount of emails at this point. So would you mind taking me through how you think about what is a good sales email what does that look like you bet i mean i first i gotta say like the way that uh i read probably 90 percent of the email i get is on my mobile device and so for me and, and i assume everybody's like me right i put myself in the in the shoes of every uh every marketing activity i'm like would that get my attention uh if i was on the outside of the company so thinking about email first and foremost uh i read only the first sentence if you don't catch me in that preview pane window, your email is getting, getting sent to the, uh, the done bin and I'm never coming back to it. So if you send an email that starts off with, I hope this finds you well, those are the only words in your message that I've seen. Mm. And that's not an email I'm opening. If I don't know you, there's zero chance that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at the rest of the message. So I would say number one is be succinct. You don't need a greeting. You don't need a formal introduction. Get to the point. Like I, I don't, I have too many emails and, and not enough time to read them. Uh, so focus on the meat of the message. And the second part is uh, I like social proof. So if you've worked with a competitor or a partner or somebody in my ecosystem, leading with what you've done for them is a great way to start. I personally think 
you know, technology is complex, right? It's impossible in 10 words to explain most B2B technology products, but you can tell a great uh, customer story in a few sentences. Like, what do we do at Chainalysis? Well, we work with governments and crypto exchanges and banks all over the world to help them protect their customers from bad guys who are trying to steal their crypto or do other uh, crazy illegal things. Let me tell you about, you know, work that we've done with uh, the IRS here in the United States. Like that, that anecdote, you leaned in, right? Even as I was telling you that story, like you got closer to the camera, you're like, hey, I want to know, like, tell me more about that. That sounds interesting. Um, and so I think the best emails, social proof, know my industry and, and think about, um, think about how you can catch me in two to three sentences or less. Yeah. Do you feel like there, do you have a tried and true way to catch someone, whether it's a, a personal anecdote, like I've done my research on you. Yeah. Hey, Ian, yeah. I also went to Carolina or is it get to the point, Hey, I'm reaching out to you, Ian, because yeah. of X, Y, Z, or is it, Hey, at Chainalysis, this is what we do and how we help people just like you. Yeah. Then, you know, what, what's, what's your tried and true method if there is. I, I, I like when people do the research whether that's research about my company. So you know uh, what I do, like what the company does, what the product does, who our customers are, all that information is public and freely available. So I appreciate when it's clear somebody's gone and done some research. Uh, personally, I respond well. Also, if, if you've gone and figured out, I went to Carolina. I got a great email the other day where somebody was messaging me about the UNC Duke game. Hey, what'd you think about the game? It was awesome to see Carolina win. Uh, that's an email I open and read, actually, because you've hit on a thing that I care a lot about. And if you've looked at my Twitter feed or my LinkedIn feed or you, you know, any of that information, it's a pretty good guess that I, I care about college basketball. Uh, so I, I, uh, I have a soft spot for people that put in a little bit of effort to get to know me. I will say that some people find that incredibly uncomfortable when you go to their personal details, like you go look up you know, where they grew up or what high school they went to on Facebook. I've gotten some super negative reactions to those as well, where people are, you know, kind of scream about being stalked. So you have to be careful, right? That can backfire. But I would say nine times out of 10, do a little bit of research, take the time to not send me a form email, but something that, that is specific and, and unique to me. And, you know, you'll, you'll get uh, infinitely better responses as a result. Yeah, makes sense. I, I want to say the way I thought about it was if it's on your LinkedIn yeah. or like if you're on YouTube for, you know, like give a podcast or an yeah. interview, those are probably fair game. But if I'm referencing an Instagram photo from 2013, maybe that's that's too much. Uh, exactly. I, I love that rubric, right? Uh, anything on LinkedIn is professional fair game in my mind. Uh, if you go digging through like my Twitter and find my wife's account and, you know, send me pictures of my kids. Like we're not talking. <laughs> that's going to, that's going to be a quick delete. Uh, yeah. What's the, what's the rubric for, for good social proof? Cause what I've seen a lot of people do is they just, <clears throat> Hey, Ian, we work with, and then they list off their six biggest customers to try to get yeah. some attention. Does that work? Like, how do you, how do you make that better? No, I think uh, to me, that's like pretty narrow, right? Like if you say, Hey, I work with uh, VMware. I, like I spent the, the year before Chainalysis working for VMware. 
VMware's got a supplier catalog of like 70,000 companies. So basically there's no piece of technology that, uh, that exists that hasn't been purchased in some capacity at VMware. So if all you're saying to me is, is yeah, VMware is a customer of mine and I get no further detail, I'm going to assume that they're not doing anything significant. So you've got to follow that up with, uh, and here's the problem we solve for them, which I think you might have as well. Uh, whether that's you know better uh, website personalization or account targeting or uh, SDR efficiency or you know any of these things, like pick a problem that I'm likely to have as a marketing leader, articulate how you solved it for somebody that looks enough like me that it's relevant. So other software technology companies that are growth stage or you know doing international expansion, like. Those would be obvious ones I would pick up on thinking about kind of the stage and state of chain analysis right now. But you're going to have to know enough about the company and, and understand where they're going from. Like a big company slowing growth, they might care more about saving money than building top line. For me, like a pitch about saving money, it's actually not that compelling. Like the thing I, I would trade $2 of expense for $1 of top line right now, because that's just the model, you know, the moment that we're in as a company. Interesting. So yeah, thinking through social proof, one, the customer name has to be relevant. That's and right. then two, if, if you're talking to a sophisticated buyer like yourself and you've been at VMware, you know, there's 70,000 suppliers, you're just going to assume if there's no use case attached to it, it's, oh, great. Maybe you did a, a three-week trial for free That's with right. one department, you know, in, in you know, wherever. Because right. you have to assume <laughs> I, people like, count everything that you say. Right. No matter like even if you have the best story in the world, the best return on investment metrics, the best performance, the best enthusiastic uh, reviews, I'm going to discount those by some amount. Uh, it, it's like going to book a restaurant on open table. Like you read the first 10 reviews and you're like, if they're all 100 percent good, you're actually a little bit skeptical. You're like, OK, yeah. these are probably robots or something. Right. I take the same approach in the in the B2B context. It's like if it seems too good to be true or you're telling me only good things like there's probably some goodness there, but it's not quite as good as what you've you've suggested. Um, so, yeah, more information is is uh, in the context of what is the actual solution is great. The other thing I would say, I get a lot of this at Chainalysis, is inbound emails where people said, hey, we've done work with other crypto companies. And they don't take the moment to figure out that we're a B2B enterprise software company. And they're sending me all these references that are B2C. Right? Big crypto exchange who's doing, you know, uh, Super Bowl ads. And they're like, you know, we worked with them. Now we want to work with you. Hey, you know, this big uh, crypto exchange just took a brand sponsorship for our sports arena. We'd like to talk to you about the same thing. And I'm like, we have nothing in common with that business other than we both talk about crypto a lot. Like take two seconds and just notice the difference between who are their customers and who are my customers. Uh, that That's a you know, huge pet peeve for me. Yeah, I was going to I was going to shift to pet peeves, but it sounds like it sounds like we're there. It sounds like something that. <laughs> Is probably top of mind is a bunch of people blasting you about crypto, crypto, crypto. And you're like, hey, if you took five more minutes to figure out how we're different, that would yeah. go a long way for, for both folks, right? Yeah. I, I think this is, um, when I think about like uh, great salespeople, 
I would say there's two attributes that I, I really appreciate. One is when the salesperson knows my business better than I do. So they understand who my customers are. They understand what my products are and who I sell them to. And they've clearly made the effort to go and research, you know, publicly available information, right? But they've actually taken 30 minutes ahead of a conversation or, you know, before sending an email to just connect on what's the business model, what's the target market, what's Ian's ideal customer, and they're framing their value proposition in the context of my business. And as we get into a selling cycle, like not just pitching me features, but appreciating like the, the problem domain that I'm operating in, like at Chainalysis today, I'm thinking all about building pipeline. Like that's the number one thing. Uh, and so if you're, if you're coming and pitching to me a cost-saving solution, like you've just totally missed the mark on what's interesting and relevant to me. Like you're pitching me a value prop that's maybe true about your product, but I don't care. And so that, that time spent to understand the business and then think about the problem domain and the solution that's relevant to me, again, going back to this idea of like buyers are selfish. If you're not playing in the things I care about, we're going to have a tough conversation. Yeah. How, how might somebody in five or 10 minutes of research on Ian and chain analysis, you know, smartly conclude, Hey, that he's probably not caring about savings right now so much yeah. as top line growth. Yeah. How, how would, how would one deduce that if I'm, you know, new to sales? Yeah. I think a couple of things I would look at one, like fundraising, you know, if you're not going, if you're selling into, uh, you know, early stage to late stage growth startups, like privately held companies, and you're not on crunch base, looking at who are their, who are their venture backers? How much have they raised? When was the last time they raised? Uh, you're missing a huge piece of information, right? So you go and look at that data, you can pretty quickly tell, hey, Chainalysis raised $300 million last year. And then if you're looking at either our corporate LinkedIn or my personal LinkedIn, you see that half our posts are about hiring. So we're clearly in growth mode, like money raised, hiring a ton, right? And any growth stage startup cares a lot more about top line. Are we growing pipeline and ultimately bookings than they do about cost control? Like that's just the nature of the market that we're in right now. Uh, whereas if you went to like a later stage company uh, or potentially a company in a market that's maybe not growing as fast as crypto is right now, you might see a different situation like, oh, the company hasn't raised in two years. They don't have a ton of job postings. Employee growth isn't that high. That type of company, I might actually come in with that cost savings pitch. Uh, whereas for me, I care about speed of execution, time to value, you know, efficiency, effectiveness of, of things like my SDR team or outbound messaging. Uh, it's all about going faster, getting bigger. Yeah. So, so to really simplify, if, if I'm a beginner and I have one minute, I should at least look at, okay, this is a VC backed. They just yep. raise money. They're probably caring more about top line than like, let's, let's pump the bricks and save money. And then you can go the next level by actually, Hey, what are the posts about? What are they, what are they talking about? Yeah. Social media? Is it high? Is it a hiring? Okay. This, this actually confirms my thesis. And then you get to expert status. Once I'm matching what I'm seeing about the company, the stage it's at, and maybe your persona as the CMO, 
this is what most CMOs care about at this stage of company, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. I, I just got a great um, pitch last week, actually, from a product that we're looking at buying that's kind of in the, without naming them, in the uh, kind of marketing tech stack tooling. It kind of combines advertising with, uh, you know, uh, target account management, buyer intent, ABM, kind of pulls all those disciplines together. And uh, and they were able to pick up on the fact that, you know, our, our target account list is growing all the time. Like there's, you know, probably 10 new crypto exchanges launching this week. And so it's not a simple, our target account list is not just the global fortune 2000. Right. We actually have this kind of incredibly diverse and geographically disparate uh, set of accounts we care about. And what they showed me in the, you know, we had 30 minutes to get a product demo and they're like, look, we're constantly monitoring buyer intent, not just across your platform, but across the entire internet. And we can tell you when accounts are starting to express buying signal. And then that gives you the opportunity to go insert yourself into that buying signal. Like, you know, at an account level, who's aware of you or maybe who's engaging with competitors and not you. And then you can start to use your tool, tools at your disposal, whether that's marketing or SDRs or direct sales activity to go and address as appropriate. And like that was, it couldn't have been more relevant to the challenges that we're trying to tackle, right? Incredibly well-tuned very focused to what I care about. I was like, this is outstanding, right? Like that, that seems incredibly valuable and you've got me hooked. Like I want to learn more that that's a tool that, that uh, I would want to consider bringing into the portfolio. Yeah. How much of that do you think they learned in the discovery process of working with you and the team versus they're just a really curious salesperson who's done a ton of research. I mean, maybe it's both, but yeah, well, you know, in this in this case, obviously, they've been working with my team for a little while, so they'd gone through a couple rounds of discovery and discussion. So it wasn't the cold first meeting where they were pitching to me; they just like landed on the answer, right? So my team knows me a little bit. I think they 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 were probably well coached at that point. Um, so that's maybe a little bit later in your buying cycle, but I think you could have gotten to you know. 60, 70% of the effect of that conversation. If you'd taken that, that 30 minutes of research ahead of, ahead of the first conversation, you probably could have walked in and, and uh, landed that that was going to be an important or key feature for a buyer that looks like me. Yeah. What, what I'm hearing is baseline before our first conversation, I should have a general thesis that that is we can go deeper on and you're going to yeah. appreciate at least we're having the right conversation period. Yep. And then as we go on further and then maybe someone's got to take this up the chain, then we get way more specific, way more targeted on the specific chain analysis, this persona problem. But, I, but we find that because we gain trust at the beginning where we're talking about the right thing, period. Right. Absol absolutely. I'm going to give you a lot more time to understand the business and I'm going to expend effort on my side if I feel like directionally we're aligned from the start, if I'm having to explain to you for 15 minutes, why we're very different from a retail crypto exchange, like that's probably the last call we're ever going to have. Like, that's just frustrating. Yeah. To me. It's not a, it's not a great use of time. Um, you know, we, we, uh, you and I were chatting in the, in the pre-call about a uh, great sales process. 
and kind of this, you know, concept that's been, uh, uh, you know, put into practice around like the medic sales framework. And if, if for anyone that's not familiar with that, like it starts with the customer's current uh, state and articulating, you know, a business challenge they have, not like a feature gap, but what's happening in the business that's not ideal. Like what's the negative consequence of the problem uh, that we identified a particular customer. And then it's not, oh, we apply this feature and all is good. It's like, what is the positive business outcome as a result of addressing that problem we've identified? The entire thing is driven in the context of the customer experience and situation. And only when you get to, you know, why is your solution better or different? Are you getting into like, feature level or capability level differentiation, which is kind of a secondary part of the conversation. And so it forces like reps that follow that model, spend way more time thinking about the customer uh, situation, getting that situational awareness than, than they do, you know, pitching a, a particular feature or capability without tying it back to, to the, uh, the buyer's problem domain. Uh, that's that's such a good point because you know it, I think it sounds obvious, but it's like yeah, you as a seller want to understand Ian and chain analysis. Like, what's the current state of things? Yep. Why does that actually matter? Like, if if, if adoption is a metric, why does low adoption even matter to you and the company? What do you wish it was like? And then how does that actually impact you and the company? And then you get to say, well, based on what I know, and this is what you're trying to solve. Like, here's how we do it. Here's how we do it better. Here's how we that's do it different. Right. But like that, that kind of, that kind of sounds easy, but I think the key is you only get to have that conversation. I only earn that conversation with you if I build trust and credibility with you. And I do that through doing the right research and being curious and understanding your business and coming at it, starting the right conversation uh, through the right lens, because then you're going to give me the time to actually figure out those things. Because most people jump to the end first and we only have 30 minutes. Let me show you how we, what we do and how it's so awesome and how it's going to help you save money. You're like, oh. <laughs> that's a mess. Sorry. <laughs> it, it totally is. It totally is. Like the, the demo in a well-constructed sales process, the demo can come much later. And sometimes you'll actually get people who are impatient, right? They're like, Hey, can I just get to the demo? And they want to skip past the relevant discovery and the stage setting. And so you almost have to have a, a confidence and a patience in in that approach, right? It's hard for, I think, newer reps earlier in their career or people that haven't been through a couple of these buying cycles to understand that if you don't lay that foundation and you jump straight to the demo, even when the buyer's maybe a little impatient and they just wanna see you click around a couple screens, like that, you're probably not getting back to a second or a third sales call uh, if you don't have that foundation constructed properly. Totally, yeah. This might be just a side anecdote, but I think, you know, if you're a little resistant to me, it might be because I'm starting the call with, oh, I'm trying to find pain. Hey, Ian, what keeps you up at night? And you're like, I've, I, this is my least favorite question ever. Just show me the product and I can get out of here. That's Versus right. if, you, if you do your research and plan out some nice open-ended questions that are relevant to this person, you'll probably be like, hey, that's a good question. I'll, I'll, I'll talk through this and we'll have a discussion about it versus tell me what keeps you up at night, Ian. That, that's right. When I, when I was a salesperson, uh, I would usually try and approach a meeting with a hypothesis or thesis about why might the customer get benefit from my technology. 
So I'm coming in with something that's already structured. Like, I think they have this problem. I think the impact of this problem is this big to their business. And I think my solution addresses this problem in this particular way. And the result of that will be these gains. So like, I've already mapped that out ahead of the meeting. And then the discovery questions are trying to prove or disprove that hypothesis, right? Not what keeps you up at night, Eugene, like that, my crazy children, like, why are we talking about that? It's, it's, uh, it's, Hey, you know, here's what I think I understand about your business. And I'm guessing that it probably, because I've worked with three other companies like you, that it's causing this other problem, right? The impact is, you know, your short pipeline, sales teams are struggling to meet targets, your international expansion is not going as well as you'd like it to. And, you know, what if I could uh, address that problem for you? I think, you know, based on what I've done with other companies, we could see accelerating growth. And, and now you've, you've set up a framework of like, well, Ian, you kind of missed on this point. Like you didn't quite understand our situation. We're actually not expanding internationally this year, but you did hit on this growth conversation. And that's like really top of mind for me right now. Let me tell you a little bit more about that. Now you're having a very relevant conversation. So you don't have to be 100% right, but framing it, walking in with that hypothesis and trying to prove or disprove it with open-ended questions to me is a great way to approach uh, that that first, second, third meeting that you're going to have with various stakeholders in an organization when you're trying to do a deal. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so helpful. Um, any last tips or words of advice to sellers out there, whether it's an SDR, an AE, a founder that's doing founder-led sales right now? Uh, I, you know, just to, to uh, beat the drum one more time, like if you're going to spend an hour sending cold emails, spend you know, 30 minutes ahead of that hour, thinking about how you're going to personalize and tailor the message. If you've got an hour meeting with somebody, they've committed an hour of their time, take, you know, at least half that in preparation, form the, the thought, right? It's like uh, an athlete doesn't show up to the game on Sunday, not having practiced all week. Like for a 40 minute game, you know, they've probably practiced 10 hours that week in the gym. Same thing in selling. Like take the time, do the preparation, put in the effort, show up well-prepared. And honestly, that puts you ahead of probably 80% of your peers, whether you're an SDR or a junior inside sales rep, or you're you know a career veteran, putting in that preparation effort, like you're going to be a top performer. Love it. Uh, Ian, before we wrap, I, I'd love to hear more about chain analysis, you know, what's got you so excited to be part of the team and, and building that out right now? Well, it's, it's been an incredible year. I've been here 13 months. Uh, we've uh, doubled the company. I joined, we were just over 200 people. I think we passed 500 employees last week. We're going to hire probably another 500 people this year because we're in the fastest growing technology segment in the world right now, which is cryptocurrency. Uh, we're incredibly lucky to work with uh, government, government agencies and companies all around the world. We have, uh, we have customers in 65 countries around the world now. We actually won a crypto exchange late last year in Mongolia, of all places, which is just amazing. So it's an incredibly fast-moving technology domain. Uh, the 
uh, the business is growing super fast. So I'm spending, uh, you know, huge amount of my time on hiring, huge amount of my time on, on uh, helping our go-to-market organization build pipeline and support our, uh, our existing customers as, uh, as they grow their businesses. Um, and we've been lucky enough to help, you know, government agencies around the world, uh, you know, fight all the illicit activity that that's happening in crypto as well. So it's, it's kind of an amazing, uh, experience. We get to help our customers catch bad guys. Uh, we get to help other customers protect their customers from the bad guys. We're in this, um, really fun kind of, uh, place in the, in the technology universe right now, which is, it's been, it's been a great 13 months. Can't, can't wait for the, yeah. uh, the next 13. Yeah. I love that. It's a bit of uncharted territory mixed with high growth and like very high impact. So you align all those things and, and you got some pretty special there. We we've got a fantastic mission here, right? I mean, we're, we're helping, uh, build trust in blockchains, right. As, as, uh, more and more, um, economic value is, is transacted via cryptocurrency on blockchain. It's got to be a place where you wake up in the morning and you're not worried about, you know, was my, uh, was my exchange robbed overnight? You know, has somebody hacked into my, my cryptocurrency wallet and all my funds are gone? Like, you know, that, that experience was all too common, uh, over the last 10 years. I think the next 10 years as this grows to be kind of widely accepted is, uh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be safer. It's gotta be easier. It's gotta be simpler. Um, and that's what we wake up every do every day and, and, uh, try and solve at chain analysis, which is just, it's terrific. Yeah. That's so cool. Ian, thanks so much for being on the show. We'll have to get you back. I feel like there's so many more topics we could jump into, but I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Eugene, this is a ton of fun.